Welcome to the eighth season of the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morris, and this week we're previewing the 50th annual Bates Cross Country Alumni Meet with new women's and men's cross country head coach Danny Feldman and track and field head coach Curtis Johnson. Plus, it's time to preview the volleyball, women's soccer, and men's soccer seasons. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. It's a new era for Bates cross country and track and field as both the men's and women's teams will each have the same head coach for the first time. Danny Feldman joins the staff to lead the men's and women's cross country programs while Curtis Johnson returns for his second year leading the men's track and field team and first at the helm of the women's squad. Plus, the 50th annual cross country alumni meet is this Saturday at noon with festivities starting at 11.20. Naturally, there's a lot to talk about this week as Coach Feldman and Coach Johnson join the Bobcast. Danny, first year as a Bobcat, started a few weeks ago. Tell me a little bit about um, what appealed to you about coming up here to Bates to coach the cross-country teams. Thanks, Aaron, for having me. The The big thing that stood out was the opportunity to be back in the NESCAC, and I view Bates as one of the best colleges in the country, not only from the academic standpoint, from the athletic standpoint as well. And to have that opportunity, which is um, it's not lost on me, is a real privilege. And I'm really looking forward to this weekend to meet alumni from the last 40 years that are coming back to race our current student-athletes. Great. And then, Curtis, obviously, last year you were coaching the men's cross-country team and the men's track and field team. Now you're going to be the head coach of the men's and women's track and field team. Tell me a little bit about this new setup with Danny and how you all are kind of making it work. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very excited about this this restructure. Um, this is very new to Bates, uh, but it's not a new restructure to a successful team. So I'm looking forward to us taking an approach that really unites our team in a front, um, having a distance coach come in that we're really pumped about, be able to work with both programs and really have a vision uh, for both programs. This really excites me. Uh, as you know, I've been the, you know, I've worked with the sprints for men and women. So I've always enjoyed having that co-ed coaching ability. So for me to expand on that lens and work with both men's and women's programs, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a really fun turnaround. And a, it's something that looking back, this is been a, a good vision to have. So I'm excited. I know this is going to be um, a change for Bates and what we were used to, but it's going to be a really pos- positive change for our programs going forward. A lot of athletes there, men and women's track and field. I mean, that's that's over 100, right? <laughs> yes, I will have to get some good uh, feedback from the rowing squad and the yeah, right. swim squads and <laughs> yeah. some of the other teams with big rosters and co-ed rosters. Yep. So um, there's a lot of wisdom and it's in, on our campus as well as in the NESCAC. So um, it's really fun to preview uh, something great for the next few years. And then Danny, you know, obviously being new to Bates, but, you know, coaching the men and the women, what's that going to be, you know, what's your plan kind of from that perspective from your angle? And do you have experience with doing both? Yeah, experience with working with both genders at yep. the same time. I think the biggest hurdle is going to be working with 60 uh, runners combined. Mm-hmm. I've worked with uh, large numbers in the past, but this is going to be the biggest. And for me, it's just making sure that everyone gets the appropriate time with the coaches so that they can develop and grow as a runner, but also as a person. And I think just navigating the waters of the schoolwork with the athletic expectations, that I think is going to be the the first thing that's on the to-do list when it comes to working with the, the runners. Tell me a little about you know growing up, when did you get into distance running? Well, great question. 
I have a younger sister who, well, let me walk back a little bit. I got into running more so to stay in shape for tennis. And then by default, I have a younger sister who kind of did something similar with soccer. The difference is that she went on to really high levels of running. And I felt like that created a closer bond between us. And I feel like there's nothing more important than family. And so that is a bond that we hold to this day is talking about running, running together. And that really kind of catapulted my um, love and passion for the sport. And you touched on being in the NESCAC or turning to the NESCAC, right? Tell us about your previous experience in the NESCAC. So I was at Amherst College for two years. It was a great experience, especially on the track side. I focused with the middle distance runners. And I think what I needed was a a full head coaching experience down in Virginia. And I spent the last three years at Christopher Newport University, which I wouldn't trade it for the world. But then the opportunity to lead a program with Curtis, you know, running the track side, it seemed like a, a match made in heaven. Yeah, and so when it comes to track and field season, you'll be assisting, right, in terms of distance runners and whatnot. So how does that kind of change for you? Because it's obviously, you know, it's a different surface. It's a different kind of different events. How does that change going from cross country to track from your perspective? Great question. The biggest thing is making sure that the student athletes are uh, open to the idea of not traveling off campus as much because of the fact that it's getting darker earlier and we're doing more speed focused workouts, which we're going to do either on our indoor track or if the weather is good on the outdoor track, I think it's just trying to make it as fun as possible with the transition, not for anything with track related, but more of just the weather and the timing of everything. That's my biggest concern. And speaking of outdoor track, the new outdoor track, pretty much done. When I say we're putting the final touches are, I really mean it. So every day when I I pull up to Merrill, I get to see uh, how it's coming along. And uh, it's a dream come true for the the, the current team. But I know the alum who put a lot of moments and and races and experiences into the track, including the alumni race. So um, this is going to be a huge new era in so many ways for our programs and the new track, already known as one of the fastest tracks. Um, We're just excited to have this opportunity for our students to train better, uh, perform better, and and bring in student athletes who could be excited about the facilities we have here at Bates. Great. This Saturday, uh, Danny just touched on it, but the 50th annual alumni meet uh, for cross country. Curtis, you've obviously experienced these before. What are you most looking forward to this Saturday? Just returning and seeing alum. Um, You know how it is when you, you reunite with, you know, college friends and community um, you get back together and it's like you never left. So just seeing the alum and having the conversations start back up again. And I know they're going to have a lot of questions. I'm just excited for them to join us in embracing this restructure in the new year um, and the team and see what they look like. Um, we're returning um, amazing cross-country teams. So just ha- having them as the highlight as well as this big event is a big deal for us. And our alum, they mean so much to us. You know, they, they're the reason we can have this this new track and, and move forward with, you know, a strong legacy. So this is a big deal for us. This is great. Yeah, certainly. And you talk about, you know, the new structure and everything. How did that kind of develop the idea of, you know, restructuring it like it is right now? Honestly, this has always been an idea for me. Okay. Um, yep. But I, but as again, I came here as an assistant coach. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you have your dreams. You're like, what if we had this set up this way? Or what would that look like? And yeah. As you know, I've been lucky enough to see success on both men's and women's teams. And so um, I'm just excited to be able to share how, how enthusiastic I am about both programs um, and really share an experience. You know, I believe that a powerhouse has to come from both sides. You're not a powerhouse unless, unless the men and the women 
can have success, whether on the same year or, you know, year after year. And Bates has already done that. So just to show that we can have a community of track and field athletes, we already practice in the same facility. We share a lot of the same travel and trips and, and energy. So this only, you know, grows that, that, that community for us. So uh, I'm excited. And uh, a few of our NESCAC peers already have this restructure. Mm-hmm. I think most of them do. So um, it's not about going towards what they're doing. I mean, it's just more so that this is the right time for Bates to do it. And so I'm really pumped about it and have uh, Danny here joining us to, to go into this next journey. And then Danny, probably a little bit of a crash course in Bates cross-country history. You're meeting a lot of alums on Saturday. Are you excited for this? I am excited. I'm nervous. I'm a bit overwhelmed, <laughs> but all for good reasons yeah. because – I've not been at a school where there's nearly 100 people coming back to run in a race, regardless of what age they are. And to me, success usually stems from the common denominator of community and culture. And the fact that all of these alum keep coming back year after year, or some have taken a couple years off, but then are coming back from all over the country, I want to be a part of that. Absolutely. So, yeah, I guess, Curtis, any other thoughts you want to share about the upcoming season? Are you going to still have a role kind of during cross country or are you going to be gearing up for track and field the whole time? <laughs> oh, my favorite thing is that I get to be even a bigger fan of the cross country yeah. teams and uh, less pressure and more cheering and enthusiasm yeah. and, and encouraging them and being a supporting role. Uh, as you know, cross country and track and field, we're, our staff is a network. So even yeah. though we're restructured, I'm still going to be able to support and be there for uh, Danny and the team. So, I'm I'm excited about that and to be able to be at Pineland as a, a more of a you know the chair squad yeah. and you know doing all the 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 course management and letting the coaches do their job. Um, so this is going to be uh, no change in involvement, more so um, just a way I can show more enthusiasm with the track group. Great. And Danny, any other thoughts you want to share about the upcoming season? We maybe haven't got to talk about you know this this big team you're inheriting here. Uh, I'm. As I said before, I'm excited, but our first workout's tomorrow, right. and okay. yeah. I know that I got onto the campus, I think, a little bit later in the summer than I would have liked, but there's nothing that could have been done about that, but I'm really excited to see what our team is made of. On paper, we have a lot of really strong runners, but it's about doing the work day in and day out, and I'm really trying to see who's going to show up each and every day to Put, put the work in and practice and see how that translates to all the races that we have for the rest of the season. And yeah, just to follow up, I guess, on that, you know, what kind of coaching style do you kind of bring to the table? What can the runners expect, to, you know, from you, I guess? A lot of high energy, a lot of transparency with what we're doing, why we're doing it, and really trying to reinforce accountability and ownership. It's, it's nothing really grandiose. It's kind of simple things, because if you can do those simple things, that's usually where consistency starts to accrue, confidence builds, but then as a team we can be unstoppable. Speaking of preseason fun, the Bates volleyball team is hosting a first serve scrimmage that is open to the Bates community this Thursday evening in Alumni Gym. Second year head coach Emily Hayes previews the season, which starts on Tuesday, September 6th with a home match against Husson. It's been awesome, Aaron. It feels a bit almost like I'm going into my first year now in a positive way, just uh, finally have you know feet underneath us, both individually myself, but also as a program. Um, it has been incredible going through this preseason with this team so far and the amount of ownership this team has over expectations, standards, our core values has been really, really cool to see blossom so soon. I want to shout out the, the lone senior on the team, Maddie Broda, from Maine, one of the captains this year. What does she bring to the table? This program would not be as kind or selfless or 
just dedicated to the behind the scenes work if we didn't have Maddie on our team. We just did a role exercise and so I got to read uh, specifically what all of her teammates and coaches uh, see her bring to our program and it's incredible. She is someone who wants none of the credit um, but wants to do all of the work and make sure that all of her teammates are taken care of and it's just really really special to have someone like that on our team other captain is emma Idy, who luckily for everyone is a junior she reclassified so how how excited are you to have her for two more seasons here uh, it's been great to work with them and um like you said just so thankful to have an extra year with her we um you know have a great relationship on and off the court just really trying to continue to build both her already dynamic nature on the court um, and that leadership. She has all the tools and it's just really cool to see both her and Chrissy really, really grow into that setter position. Obviously, uh, being one myself, have a special bond with them. Mm -hmm. So um, exciting to see them just continue to build that confidence and uh, relationship with their attackers. When you've played the position yourself as a coach, do you find yourself maybe getting more in the weeds with them than the other players? Or how, they, how do you balance that? <laughs> <laughs> they all may say I get into the weeds of, of positions with them, Aaron. But uh, I think specifically with setters, yes. I mean, it's, uh, it's such a unique position, and it's one that has so many moving parts. And um, just by nature, maybe having a really, really high bar for that position. But it is uh, it makes my job easy when I have two people like Chrissy and Emma who – are constantly wanting the feedback and wanting to grow and learn in that position itself. And then Kate Hansen, who's a sophomore now, came in last year, and when we looked up at the end of the season, she led the NESCAC in service aces. What makes her such a good server? Kate is great at everything she does, whether it's bringing the energy or uh, being solid in the back row or attacking from the back row. We're really looking at her potentially attacking for us back there. And, um, I mean, from a serving perspective, she just has a really great float serve. So she's able to use her um, athleticism and get up in the air and have a nice, high, consistent toss that allows her to have that that trajectory on the ball that we always want. Um, and it, she just has found that, that sweet spot with her, with her float, um, able to create a hassle for passers. And uh, it was great to see her grow not only in the fall, but in the spring with her confidence back there. Well, it's interesting. I think when I talked to her in the spring, she mentioned how in high school, she actually did a lot of outside hitting, even though she's not that tall, right? Normally you'd think of a tall player and she's a defensive specialist here, but what does that experience as an outside hitter add to her game here. Yeah, I mean, she's just fearless. She's a fearless volleyball player and she wants to be, she always wants to be better. Um, but when she allows herself to play with that freedom, it's really just kind of awesome to see. And obviously she's used to attacking. So again, we really like seeing her giving her the liberty back there to attack from the back row and be just another attacking option for us. Um, but I think, you know, being an outside, similar to that setting position, you're doing it all. You're passing, you're hitting, you're blocking, you're playing defense on the floor. So um, she's just able to take that constant um, kind of knowledge of what's going on on the court and bring it into the back row. So the first year class this year, it's a big class. And um, they're from all over, not only the United States, but internationally as well. Tell us about this group and how you brought them in here. They're amazing. Um, this group has come in and uh, is just eager to dive into Bates College and Bates Volleyball. And um, they're some of the nicest people, but also the most driven um, and coachable people. It's uh, preseason is always interesting because you don't know what you're going to get. You come in with a brand new team every year, 
And um, this group of six has been asking questions and leaning on the returners who've been amazing um, and just really, really making an immediate impact in our gym in preseason and, and also in the weight room. So it's been great to see them beginning to thrive. And then one of your leading returners in terms of kills last year is Alyssa Lowther. How do you see her blending into the team this year? It's great to see Liss um, growing in that leadership capacity as well, again, um, alongside a lot of them. But uh, great to see her leaning on her defense or, um, again, same thing. She's really someone who asks a lot of questions and wants to get better. Um, we do a, a lot of personality work and uh, – her and I are, are similar in that personality kind of style. So uh, I find it pretty easy from a feedback loop to be giving her that direct feedback, which uh, just makes the, the interactions easier. And um, yeah, I mean, she has grown. She's grown in her back row defense. She's grown in her attack. And uh, we're just excited to have three more years with her. I don't think this is a controversial statement. I think Bates Volleyball is the most active team on social media at the college. What's the philosophy behind that? Obviously, you're an assistant coach who got you on TikTok now, doing lots of interesting things. How, how do you come up with the, the ideas every day? I mean, as a program, we we want to uh, win everything that we do. So we want to be, you know, uh, we want to be winning the day or winning the drill um, or winning with regards to, you know, engagement. Um, it's really cool. I So my alma mater is really active on social mm. media and I know that I absolutely adore being able to see what's happening in that gym that I called home um, every day. And so we we like engaging with, you know, whether it's recruits or families or friends or um, or that alumni base and uh, just think that it's really a cool opportunity um, in a day where social media can play a lot of negative um, effects on society, we can allow it to um, just promote and bring smiles to people's faces. The dance off with field hockey, whose idea was that? <laughs> Danny Cokett. Oh, okay. Um, okay yeah. She came in, she was like, so, uh, spoiler alert, but you can hear our team singing and belting to Olivia Rodrigo or whoever they're, <laughs> Taylor Swift, um, after every practice. And Danny came in and uh, had field hockey coach and uh, was like, you got some good singers on your team. I was like, totally. And then we were like, dance off? Okay, sure. <laughs> so they came in right, um, they were practicing right after us. So they came in at the end of one of our scrimmage practices and uh yeah, it's controversial. Um, my team would say that field hockey had longer to prepare their dance, but <laughs> I like to think that we were uh, resilient and spontaneous. So, Tell us about your new assistant coach. Nat is a rock star. Uh, she actually, I, I coached against her when um, she was playing at Willamette University out in Oregon, and uh, hated that, hated coaching against her. <laughs> Um, she was just this awesome, um, unique player who was so even keel and, uh, you know, always stepped it up and kicked it into gear when she was competing and kind of similar to Maddie in that she wasn't doing it, you know, for the praise or this huge moment, but she just lived in the pressure. And, um, so she ended up helping, helping me coach a camp, uh, again, back in that chapter in Oregon and somehow we convinced her to come out here and be an assistant for us at Bates and she has uh, just thrived out here whether it's getting to know other other coaches 
Um, again, diving into the social media and really complementing my coaching style with her calmness and um, detail orientation and, and things like that. Great. So like looking to the forward to this year compared to, you know, building on last season, right? What are you looking to see from the team to build on last year? Um, you know, not necessarily wins and losses, but maybe that, I don't know. What are you kind of looking for? We've done so much work on our culture and uh, just continuing to build this culture and this program that we're proud of. And again, I mean, it's just when you have a team that knows uh, what's expected and is bought into those expectations, it's just a game changer. And um, we have a really special group of returners who did a lot of work in the spring season and who knew that we had a lot of newcomers coming into our program. And so they have been taking on that responsibility. I definitely feel comfortable um, you know, holding them to that standard and having those tough conversations because we have that base now of um, you know, kind of trust and respect at the foundation of it all. Now, the season doesn't start till next week, but I'd be remiss to not help you promote the first serve coming up this week. Tell us about it. September 1st, is that right? Yeah, first annual, first serve. <laughs> um, no, really excited and grateful for just the collaboration across campus. It has been so cool to get to know people in orientation um, and obviously, uh, you know, know you, Aaron, but um, get to know Chris and Tia a bit more. And uh, it's kind of like an all hands on deck opportunity for us to uh, get all the incoming first years into alumni gym and show them that this is where we play volleyball and basketball games. Um, so, so excited to make it just feel like a match day and embrace that pressure and, uh, you know, get the jerseys on, have the music playing, announce the, the teams and we'll get after it and play, um, you know, eight versus eight and, uh, just have a really, really fun time, um, you know, bringing that energy, especially after two years of, of so many restraints and restrictions, the idea of just packing the stands is such an exciting idea. What time? September 1? 6.30 p.m. 6.30 right p.m. Dinner. There you go. Right, right here at Alumni. Right next door to Commons. Exactly. So 6.30 p.m. September 1st. First serve. Come on out. Uh, Emily Hayes, thanks so much. Thank you, Aaron. The women's and men's soccer teams kick off their seasons next Tuesday as well when the Bobcats travel to Maine Maritime Academy. Head coach Joe Barry previews the women's season. Last year ended with a flourish with a victory there over Colby in the final game. I mean, you know, it's a long time since the last game of last year, but do you feel a little momentum going into this season? Yeah, we, we certainly do feel the the momentum, and um, I feel like we had a really great offseason. The, the opportunity to take those practices and, and really work with our uh, younger players in those moments really helped us out because, you know, that that's really now kind of our nucleus, and, and so... Um, you know, we have a, a smaller class of, of six first years, and so you know the bulk of uh, uh, of our players have been through kind of a NESCAC season, which is opposite of uh, what it was, you know, last year. And um, you know, so yeah, we're we're really happy with kind of the the momentum we have coming into the fall. Yeah, you touched on that because of temporarily because of the COVID lost COVID year, you were allowed to practice together as a team in the spring. Take us a little bit more into what your focus was with the players in the spring here. Yeah, we the the great part about that is you don't have any games, you know, and and so you can really just focus individually in small groups. And you know, we luckily had um, still a good number of players um, around in the spring. I mean, we had, we had a couple of our seniors were abroad, but. 
you know, we had a good bulk of our players, so it was a really great opportunity for us to be able to, to work in, in some of the larger groups. Um, and it was just more about continuing to find our identity as, as players, um, being able to continue to that growth that we have and, um, you know, still figuring out the style that we want to play. And then obviously last year you had a very experienced goalie with Cat Knuckles. She's graduated. It was her fifth year here at Bates. So is there a competition now uh, to see who's going to be uh, starting there? Yeah, we, we've got a mixture of um, uh, Chase Crawford. It'll be a senior for us. And, you know, Chase has um, had some NESCAT game experience and some in-game experience for us. So you know, we, we do have an experienced player in that mm-hmm. role. And uh, Ruby and Sam are, are two of our younger goalkeepers. And, and they're, they're playing really, really well right now too. So... Um, you know, like I said, we might be a little inexperienced in there, but we're we're still got a good player that's going to be in that space, whoever it is be- between those three, and and it is it's it's a wide open competition at this point. I know from a recruiting perspective, just looking at the roster, you've got a lot of players. I mean, you were coaching in the Northwest before. You've got a lot of players in the Northwest coming now here to Bates. How have you been able to maintain those relationships? Yeah, it. it the luckily in the, in the soccer world, it's a small community, and so the the combinations between club coaches um, and, and some of the contacts that we have over there have been really great. Um, uh, Oregon Episcopal School yeah, for I us in <laughs> Portland, four or five players. Yeah, we got four players from there, so that that's been a great little yeah. pipeline and, and bread and butter for us. Um, but the 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 West Coast and and um, you know those. There's a lot of people there that play soccer, yeah. and um, you know, and that's a, is a great thing. And you know, we expect, and with our the 23 class next year, we'll, we'll still have an influx of players from the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, we'll. You know, the neat part about Bates is you get to recruit, you know, on the national level, and, and obviously in some instances in the international level piece. So. Um, that's the, the the fun part about the job. In terms of returnees, obviously Elizabeth Patrick had some electric moments last year with some spectacular goals. Tell us about you know her role this year, you know, leading this team most likely in terms of like the midfield. Yes, uh, obviously, like I said, EP is a spark plug for us, but that whole senior class mm-hmm. is going to be a big leadership group for us. Yeah. Um, and you know that's a, they were first years, my first year, so you know we we've kind of been through the pipeline. Um, for for each other so you know like i said we do return a a really good nucleus um we only graduated four last year and you know i i feel like we do return a fair amount of uh, players that were starters for us or you know we're just coming off uh, the bench so uh so we're a lot more experienced than i think we look on paper um in that sense but the the senior class will be the group that we really will rely on a lot. You know, Courtney Gray's fifth year coming back right. for us, and um, you know she's just been a really great leader. Um, you know, I could easily go down the, that entire list of, of the senior class because they they all do contribute and, and make a big impact for us. Yeah, we recently produced a story about the, uh, Bates Soccer and Rosalia Leadership Academy. From your perspective as a head coach of the women's team, what's it like to see some of your you know student athletes getting involved with that? Yeah, uh, Rachel Lowell yep. and Charlotte Jones, two of our our juniors um, that have been. Um, kind of the big ring leaders in that group and you know we've had a lot of other players be involved in that and so uh it's a really great uh program it's a really neat opportunity specifically for us on the female side of things so i think they can relate a little bit you know they see somebody that is playing at a high level and and you know that being able to see somebody do it i think helps that dream become real for them but that it, it's a really great partnership. You know, luckily, more often than not, for us, they, they use the Lewiston Armory, which is right yeah. at the end of campus. So that it, it, it's a really great partnership for us on both ends. 
Great. And then, you know, based on, you know, last year's team, and you mentioned only four people graduated. So what areas of growth are you really looking for from one year to the next? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we want to keep moving our way up in, in the NESCAC standings. You know, that uh, obviously is um, our uh, our end goal is to play as many games in November as we possibly can. Um, but we, like I said, we we understand kind of how we want to defend. We understand what a NESCAC game requires. Um, you know, hopefully we can put the ball in the back of the net a little bit more than we did the year before. And, um, you know, that is the, the hard part in this conference is, is obviously scoring goals. Um, so, you know, hopefully we can be a little bit more potent offensively. Um, and, and I still think we'll be good and organized defensively. Yeah, because what was it, Amherst, you battled down to the wire, right? You had um, some really close games last year. Yeah, we did. We had some some tight games and, you know, games where I felt like um, we were just starting to kind of clear that, that hill and uh, that Amherst game was a good one for us. We lost the, their place on a Sunday 3-2 and, um, you know, had a good chance at the end of things, but, you know, the clock just ran out on us. So, um I feel like that was a good turning point for us at the end of last fall because we walked away from that going, you know, we could compete. You know, this is a team that won the conference, um, you know, a team that is perennially, you know, in the top 20. And I think we walked away from there, you know, with the belief that, you know, we can play in, in NESCAC games. And that was the piece that we were really lacking in, in the beginning of the season. Um, and so, like I said, we, we feel now that the group that we have, they, they have that experience and, and they feel like they didn't belong in the conference. All right, correct me if I'm wrong, but no overtime. No overtime anymore. No, it uh, ends at 90, call it a draw. Uh, and we, we ran the numbers, and it would have changed really the complete landscape of, uh, of the NESCAC uh, finish last season. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it really does impact kind of everything across the board. Um, I think it does change the tactics a little bit. You can... You know, you're starting to get a little bit closer to that 90th minute mark, and you know maybe you, you think about trying to hold on for a point, or or do you make a push to try and get three? So, um, it, it certainly does change a little bit of the outlook. Do you like this change? <laughs> I think it's positive. Yeah, yeah. it. Um, it Overtime is always like exciting, but with it being golden goal, you know sometimes something really weird happens, and then bang, that's the end of the game. Right. Um, you know, so I think um, I, I think. It, it, it's a good positive change. It's also starting to uh, mirror what happens on the international level. Right. Um, and so I think the, the closer we start tying kind of the college piece to it, then then it, it, it kind of makes a little bit more sense. Well, and the really interesting part is in the tournament, NESCAC tournament, there will be overtime, but it won't be golden goal, which I find very interesting. Yeah, so, yeah <laughs> for sure. You, you end up playing through those uh, yeah. those two periods. Yeah. And I think, um, like I said, it, 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 it equates it. it. It makes it a little bit more even. and. Yeah. Uh, you can make the argument college football and NFL football like what overtime is better you know would yeah, you yeah. rather have two shots or would you just have that one and done you yeah. know so um, but again it following really just the 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 the, the global kind of landscape of, of the game terrific well any other thoughts you want to share about the upcoming season we haven't got to talk about yet I mean I, I just we're it's an exciting time to to be here with with the school and, and not only in our program but you know a lot of the, um, the, the positive changes that we, we've had in our department and, and the organization of things and um, you know I feel like we're we're a young athletic department and I feel like it mirrors kind of like where we are with our program and um, you know so hopefully we can really start kind of rebuilding some things here at, at, at Bates and, and making some some really great changes and um, so, but no, we're programmatically, we're, we're really excited where we are and, and we feel like we got a good, bright future. 
All right, Joe Barry, thanks so much. Appreciate it, Aaron. After spending last year as the team's assistant coach, Bates alum Noah Riskend is in his first year as the interim head coach of the Bates men's soccer team. He played defense during his time as a Bobcat, and four of his five captains this year are on the defensive side of the ball. I think without defensive solidity, it's it's really hard to, to get results in soccer in general, um, but especially in the NESCAC because uh, teams rotate their attacking players so much, um, and they're so fresh, and, and they press so often. So, um, you know, if you don't have a, a comfortable shape um, that you're confident in, and, and if you don't have defensive players who can get the team organized, um, then then you're really going to struggle. And so, you know, our primary goal this year um, is, to, is to concede less goals. We think we have the players to create um, enough chances to win games, and so the key is, is going to be um, being defensively compact and organized, and, and if we can do that, um, we're really confident entering this year. And those three defensive captains, Alex Kovacs, Saban Nahanke, and Max McKersey. Nahanke played a lot last year. The other two guys have played a lot during their time as Bobcats, right? Yep, and, and Jacob Iwowo is a defensive player as well. So, you know, all of those guys have, have a lot of experience that the younger guys can lean on. Um, and, you know, I think what's going to be um, the most important thing for those guys is, is their ability to organize us defensively. Um, that's, that's one of the biggest, if not the, the most important responsibility of, of a center back. Um, but the fact that we have Jacob playing in defensive midfield, um, and, and Seba and Hanky playing at right back, right? We have all these different leaders um, throughout the back line who, who are really effective communicators, and, and that's going to be really key to you know maintaining our shape and, and you know maintaining our um, you know our defensive organization. Um, and again, you know that's what's going to going to keep us from conceding goals. When it comes to starting goalkeeper, obviously you know Ryan Manning played a lot last year. Bruce David got some minutes as well. Is that a competition right now? Yeah, we also have a really talented first year in Nico Hessel. Um, so absolutely, those guys are competing at the moment um, to see who's going to start against MMA and and then against Bowden um, not too long after that. And then offensively, uh, Captain Alex Schwartzovich lead, leads that offense. Tell us about you know obviously you've worked with him a lot on and off the pitch, right? Yeah, Alec is a special kid. He's also a special player. Um, he's really involved in, in Rosati Leadership Academy, which is the nonprofit that I also work for. Um, and, and so we're going to rely on Alec to, you know, create chances, but also to pull the strings and, you know, kind of direct the other attackers um, who are mostly younger guys. But to be totally honest, some of our younger attackers are, are some of the most cerebral footballers that we have, and, and those kids have an understanding of, of spacing and timing that that is really hard to teach and so you know I think the chemistry between Alec and, and some of our younger attacking players such as Tefei who's a sophomore who's been around um, but then also Caesar Hoover, um, Tomas Alberola, um, Ross and Welch who's also a sophomore um, has, has really started to click because of you know all of those guys understanding of, of spacing and then you know with this um, you know longer preseason that we now have in the NESCAC, there's there's a bit more of an opportunity to to develop that chemistry, which is so important um, you know for creating chances. I was gonna say this is longer than when you played, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> back back when I was an undergrad, we had about five or six days of preseason before we would open the season. So it's great that we essentially have an extra week of, of preseason these days. Did you ever imagine like when you were an undergrad being you know interim head coach here of your of your alma mater so soon? Not so soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this has definitely been a goal of mine. Um, I knew that I wanted to coach soccer at Bates. I wasn't really interested in 
in coaching college soccer elsewhere. Um, but I also knew that I needed to, to leave before coming back just because, you know, I was so happy and, and comfortable here in Maine after my four years as an undergrad. I knew that I kind of needed to, to be tested else, elsewhere and, and be exposed to different things and, and kind of be toughened up a little bit. And, and that's partially why I chose to, to do Teach for America. Um, but kind of always knowing that that I could come back to Maine and that I likely would come back to Maine because I love it here so much and, and so many people who I love also live here. Great, and you were an assistant on last year's team, so you mentioned earlier, obviously, that one of the goals is to not allow as many goals this season. That's obviously what everyone wants to do, but what are some other things the team can do this year, you think, to improve on last year's results? Part of the reason why we didn't have the on-field chemistry last year um, is that we weren't as much of a family off the field as, as we necessarily should have been. Um, so the biggest focus this year, honestly, has just been um, the team environment and the vibes around the team and training and you know, team meetings and other things that, that we've done. Yesterday, uh, we went to Bates Morse Mountain Conservation Area, which is a really, really special, beautiful place. Um, and, and the boys had a great time being, being together off the field and, and enjoying some of uh, you know, the beauty of Maine. Um, and, and we've done a lot of things over the course of preseason already to, to you know, make sure that, that the kids really care for each other. Um, and so if, if the kids really care for each other, then it's that much easier to, to play together on the field and to deal with adverse situations on the field. Um, and so you know, outside of, of what we're working on on the field, the biggest emphasis has, has been on, has been on um, making sure this team feels like a family. Um, and and you know, I truly think we're well on our way to, to accomplishing that. And last year, one of the weird things, it applied to all the schools, but half the team had never played college soccer because of the COVID year, right? So now you got a little bit more experience, right? Absolutely. Last year, we had uh, two rookie classes, essentially, both our sophomores and, and our first years. Um, so you know, this year, we really only have one rookie class. Um, and quite frankly, we could not be more pleased with our, our current first years, both on the field and off the field. It's, it's been really cool. To see them come together, we, we kind of had a feeling that they would all hit it off right away, but we never really expected that, that it would be to, to the degree that, that they have. Um, so far, they're already so close, um, and, and you can tell they, they really love each other. And again, that's, that's what Bates is about. That's what Bates Men's Soccer is about. You know, that's what drew me to Bates College. Um, you know, many years ago, and, and you know, that's, that's what I, again, what I think separates Bates from a lot of really great schools in New England is, is the fact that kids at Bates are a little bit more laid back, they're a little bit more down to earth, they're a little bit more humble, um, and, and there's a bigger focus here on interpersonal interaction. And so, you know, on the field, our first years have been truly incredible. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if any of them um, found themselves in, in the starting lineup this year. Um, but even more importantly, off the field, they've, they've been, yeah, pretty great. Tell us about your assistant coach you just hired. Uh, Nano Pereira is, is incredible. Um, he's uh, a Vassar alum, maybe the best soccer player in, in Vassar men's soccer history. Um, after playing at Vassar and, and being all Liberty League for a couple of years, he, he had um, some opportunities to play professionally both abroad and here in the States so, and coach abroad as well. So he, he brings with him um, an unbelievable level of experience and also um, he's just been exposed to so many different styles and you know, thought processes about the game. Um, and, and Nano also has a, has a sports psychology background as well. So he's, he's almost as passionate about team building as he is um, about teaching the sport of soccer. So 
truly we couldn't be luckier um, to have to have Nano. Everybody um, you know, has already totally taken to Nano. Nano's taken to the boys, and yeah, Nano's Nano's already already pretty much a Batesy. Um, so yeah, we are just so thrilled to to have him with us. He's he's a really special person and, and a really special coach as well. Now I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about this because it's a new rule. No overtime this year. If you're tied at the end of regulation, that's it, unless it's in the postseason. What are your thoughts on that? Does that change the game at all? I don't mind it. Um, I think overtime is a bit of a roll of the dice. And, of course, you know, you might might end up on top, but you also might end up without anything, um, right? One unlucky bounce in, bounce in overtime, and, and that's it. Um, after, you know, 90 minutes of, of hard work to essentially, you know, force a tie or, or you know something something like that so you know I don't mind the the lack of overtime especially with the hectic schedule that we play with so many games um, in a short period of time so you know I think a lack of overtime will lighten the load a little bit on our guys um, and it'll leave less things to chance right it, it's more of a matter of, of 90 minutes versus you know one moment and of course there are so many moments that determine games within 90 minutes but again you have 90 minutes to sort that out all right and then i um, mean any other thoughts you want to share about the upcoming season we haven't got to talk about anything you're really looking forward to just excited to, to start playing some games and, and see what our guys are, are really about um you know i think in preseason it's it's easy to be positive um it's easy to be a good teammate before the games have started and and playing time is is inevitably limited for a lot of guys um so i'm i'm really curious to see you know how guys respond when when we inevitably lose a game right like I know I'm expecting um, us to win a lot more than we lose but we play in a really tough conference and um, you know teams lose last year the the national finalists Amherst they lost their first NESCAC game right teams teams lose and so I'm I'm really excited to see a um, you know how we deal with the pressure of games but I'm also excited to see our response when when things don't go our way which is going to happen Again, you know, I think we're a really talented, capable team, and, and the attitudes are really good at the moment. So I think that's going to lead to us having a lot of positive results. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll just reiterate one more time that you know it's inevitable that we're going to face adversity, and so I, you know, I really want to see what the response is when when we, you know, face those challenges. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll preview the field hockey and golf seasons as the fall sports previews roll on. New episodes come out every Tuesday as we look forward to recapping for you all the latest and greatest from Bates Athletics all year on the Bates Bobcast.